friends, welcome back. My name is Stacy. For those of you who are just tuning in, I'm Stacy York. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I am doing this beautiful YouTube series where I've invited some of my favorite humans on the planet. And I happen to be very lucky. I know a lot of really amazing humans. And today I have one of my dear friends. I'm going to call you dear friend. I feel like we've moved into that zone. Yeah, uh, yeah. Started as dear colleague, became dear friend, Jen Stein. Uh, Jen is going to do a little introducing of herself, but let me tell you a few things I love about Jen. Jen is one of these humans that has been on this journey with me for quite a long time. And I've had the privilege of just having a front row seat to observe some of the awesomeness she's doing. So she's a beautiful principal in Kalispell, Montana, and she has just taken this job as a principal in a heart-centered way. And I love watching it, Jen. So, okay, tell us a little bit about you and then we'll talk more about your heart-centered approach to life. Yeah, so uh, Minnesota born and then Montana for college and then fell in love with the state. So studied in Washington for a while and taught there and worked there for a while. And then we got to move back to our dream town of Kalispell, Montana. Um, my husband and I have two beautiful children um, who are mostly always wonderful, but not always. Um, one is 15 and a high school girl, Kaylin, and Luke is 13 and um, going into eighth grade and on the autism spectrum. And so our journey as parents and me as an educator has really been diverse and not what I expected, but totally what I needed. So I got a job here. This will be my 10th year um, as an administrator here at Edgerton Elementary School. And we have 520 kids and an amazing staff and a really great community and one of six elementary schools in our district. So that's about the size of the school district and school I come from. And I, um, you know, who I thought I'd become and what my life would be and what it has actually become is so much better, but definitely not traditional um, when you're raising a neurodiverse kiddo. And I think just parenting in general gives you this, you initially think like you're going to nail it and it's going to be this way. And then you have the kids and you're like, hmm, it's a different way than I thought. So that has been my experience as both an educator and a parent. And they've actually weaved together quite a bit. So quite a bit of who I am is um, an educator, a mom, and then a wife and a friend, um, a daughter. Those things are all really important to me as far as like who I am. One of the reasons I chose you to chat with Jen is because much like me, you do not cross the threshold of your school building and leave all these parts about you outside. Yeah. Like you are just who you are. You are Jen, mom of teenager, mom of neurodivergent kid, wife of someone in the community. Like you are just Jen. And I love that about you. And part of the journey and the work that I do when I cross the United States and I talk to humans is people have this sort of, I think this maybe idea that to be a professional, you got to have all your shit together. Yeah. And I just am curious about your thoughts on that. Well, that'd be a bummer. Um, I just don't have any of it together. And I think when you talk about the threshold, like it just, I do, it's just, I am who I am throughout every part of my life. Um, and I don't know when that started and I don't know, I, I 
think it's when my kids were younger and you you like try to keep it together and be who you think you're supposed to be. And then I don't know if you get tired or you meet the right people who meet you where you are and shared experience, but not being perfect really has is quite liberating. And and everybody knows my imperfections because I share them just fine, though it's much easier to do that at work than it is in your personal life. Like I'm wrong all the time at work and then at home, so rare, I don't know why. So I think that that does become, it's just who I am so that I don't have to change venues um, at all. Like it just is who I am. I don't think I obsess about work things at home in a way that I can't get through it or that I take everything from home and bring it to school, but who I am at my core and my value system and how I make decisions, those are very much intertwined. And I actually, um, when people say just work is work and leave work at work, I, I get offended because it's not something I'm capable of doing, nor do I think I would be uh, enjoying my job as much as I do if I did that. So for anybody who thinks that work supposed to be work and home is supposed to be home and they have to be separate, if that works for you, that's great. But in my experience and in my work, it does not. And I'm actually better when I balance both. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that part of what I've seen in some of your journey is that your home life really influences your work life, right? You have a very, I'm guessing, a very different experience because you're a parent of a neurodivergent kid. When yep. you're sitting at IEP meetings as a principal, you probably have a very different perspective because your home life has influenced your work. Much like the information and the learning you do at your job probably influences your parenting and home life. So yeah, I think that um, I've noticed that the connection with parents and um Empathy, it's hard to say. I've always been a pretty empathetic person, but I think that there's just more room for error and there's more room for not knowing. And that, like, I just accept when parents are like, I'm just not doing it the way I wish I was, or, you know, they make a mistake. That part of my life has increased so much because of, you know, you read what you should do and all the um, love and logic. And this is how you should talk to your kids. And it's like, well, that's not what happened in my house this morning. And, and I think that that imperfection has really helped me be a more open-minded, um, empathetic principal, not just person, as far as like system changes and what do we need for kids um, and how to advocate for kids. I think that that's really helped me because I can think outside of the box. And I don't know where the lines cross, but I, I, think of every student at the school as somebody's baby and uh, treating them that way. And so it's just like, just okay is not enough or an unhappy kid or a kid who doesn't feel like they have a place of belonging in their school, like that's just unacceptable. Um, and so I think that that's helped me a lot. And then the diversity of being in a school and all the different, you know, like what, what my children and I experienced, what I experienced in childhood, that is a very different experience than what some of our students that are in homelessness or in foster care and have experienced. And so their experiences shape me um, because of what I learned from them and their resiliency is much higher than mine has ever been. And so I think there's just some things like that that you learn from your students and then you hope to bring the good stuff to your own parenting and kids. 
So one of the things that you and I've been doing is this trauma-informed support group for administrators yeah. over the last three years, really. And mm-hmm. I just want to talk a little bit about how much education has just shifted in the last three years since COVID and mm-hmm. what you're doing to keep your head above water and support your staff, keeping their head above water. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. You know, um, when you become a principal, and everything in education really is centered around kids. Like if you don't love kids and want to fight for kids and work for kids, it's not for you. But as an administrator, almost equal to um, is caring about the adults that you work with. And so I think the biggest shift that I've had is how do I take care of adults? And when COVID happened, I immediately felt responsible. There's about, with staff, there's usually about 600, a little over 600 um people in this building. And all of a sudden I felt responsible for the health, both emotional and physical health of 600 people. Mm. And then I realized that that feeling was hard to bear. And so I just thought, what, what am I going to do so that one, I don't like freeze in paralysis because I'm overwhelmed, but what can I do? Cause the reality is you are not going to be able to keep physical or emotional harm from happening to the people you work with because there's a lot of outside influences but it's like what is my role and how can I be responsible and really it was about creating a space um where people felt good and safe and listened to and so all the things you do for students as far as the love and belonging work that you do you do for adults and you um tap into things that I think you initially think, ah, it's just for kids, like check-in forms or gratitude work. Um, You think, well, it's for kids, but it really isn't. And I think the shift in our gratitude work and honest conversations and just honesty about mistakes and owning those and really trying to model that has shifted a lot. Um, People have talked a lot about mental health here, which has been great and not in a way that's inappropriate. We don't have big speeches or call people out. They just kind of in casual conversation, talk about maybe a strategy they're using with their therapist and they talk to their colleagues about it. And so it's just become more of um, a norm. And so we've done things like we have a wellness room where there's a massage chair and a quiet dark space for, and some like of the seasonal light to come at you instead of fluorescent, just to recognize that that this is needed, um, that, and you give opportunities for whatever they, some people don't want that. Um, they want to go for a walk, um, during their prep time or, you know, whatever you kind of need to do to help them feel regulated as adults. And then when you do that, not only do they get ideas for their students, but they're just more able to do it. Um, and that's just been a really big shift for us. And it's just created a really happy place to work. Um, and it's not like we're this utopian, perfect, like we never have conflict. But I think what's shifted is we can talk about what's hard or a conflict we have um, without the gossip or the side conversations. We just bring it to the table. Hey, I'm not doing well. Can you help me? Um, Can you cover my class? I need a break. Um, Having teachers ask for help, that's a, that's hard. Like they just really, you know, and so it's like, what environment are we creating that we think that they think they can ask for help? Um, And so we just kind of really worked, done that work, but it's really nothing so groundbreaking. It's just what's best for students. And then you do the same thing for adults. I love that you're just like, "Eh, it's not that groundbreaking. 
And yet we are seeing educators leave in droves. Yes. Because it actually is groundbreaking, Jen. It is. And it seems, you know, it's interesting. And it's not until you stop and you think, you know, I haven't hired a, a gen ed teacher in two years or, you know, we had to have staff move because we didn't have enough space um, that you realize. And it's, you know, as a principal, you have to set a tone but it's always the community as a whole. So it's like the community we build. And so, you know, teachers, you see them take care of each other. And I think um, an example that we talked about that feels not groundbreaking, but then when you pause, you're like, this isn't every day thing in everybody's world. But I remember a teacher looking upset and being in the staff lounge and another teacher saying, are you okay? And she said, I'm not actually like, I'm really upset. You know, my parents were supposed to arrive and the train got canceled and, and it's really gonna be hard on my kids and, and shared what was happening, which I think one is actually groundbreaking that people can share when they're not okay. I think it's so healthy. And then the response was that's so hard. Is there something we can do for you? Or what do you need? That was the question, what do you need? And I thought, Mm, that is lovely. And we talk about that all the time for kids. They check in in zones. And if they're not in the green, the next question a kid will ask is, what do you need? And so we teach kids to do that. But it's like, do we give that space for adults? And knowing that it is in some ways different than what the norm is, is because I recognize that that happened. And if it happened all the time in every environment, you wouldn't even notice. But it's not often that people feel safe to say that they aren't well and that instead of fixing it, the question was, what do you need? Um, I just thought it was really powerful and probably a foundation of why the teachers in this building are so incredible. They just take care of each other. Yeah, I love this. And I would imagine that when the viewers view this, they're going to be like, Jen's just like, this is normal. This is how we do our everyday <laughs> life. Other teachers are going to be like, sign me up. How do I work for this person? And they're just, yeah. like, you have just created this space for people to be safe. And for people when they don't feel regulated to be able to say, I don't feel regulated. I'm not yeah. okay. I, and I just, I love that about you. And you're sort of like, yeah, it's just what we do. And other <laughs> like no actually Jen not everyone does that like it's a gift of yours and the fact that you just normalize this human behavior you normalize the human experience you love people you support love and belonging that is such a gift that you have that is well, really important and I'm glad you're sharing that well and I think like and you know that you Bruce Perry um Brene Brown like some of these people are super influential on how I think and so and it doesn't mean that that's for everybody, but there is somebody probably out there that does connect with you. And I think that we sometimes read things and are inspired, but they don't feel actionable. And so once I found like Brene and Bruce Perry and then you and making it feel like, oh, this is, this does tap into my values. Cause you don't even sometimes know what your values are. You're just doing your job. And a lot of the work with Brene and stuff is like, what are your values? What are your values as a person? And what are your organizational values? And then once I thought about that, then everything has to, to fall in line in those values. And so it's really shifted how I think. And there's so many different people out there that can do that. But to me, it's not like I, 
you come up with your own ideas eventually, but initially you just start thinking about you, know, what do I believe to be true? And then that's the filter for all the decisions you make. But I was definitely inspired by reading and having somebody push me. So it was a big growth for me before I could turn it into something for the school. So as we think about teachers, families, administrators coming back to school in the fall, mm-hmm. what are some of the, the highlights or the top three things that you find are just valuable, maybe in your toolbox at home, your toolbox at school that really kind of get you through that initial hump of like coming back to school, starting the school year, oh, we're back to work, those kind of things. But also that transition time with kids, because you and I both know August and September are like wild, Ooh. right? It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, a deeply transitioned time of dysregulation. So what are some thoughts or values that you hold or things that could be helpful for people? I do think a lot of it goes around gratitude. And so like I spend the weeks preparing for school, um, writing notes to every member of our staff. And so that just puts my mind right. And I'm just actually so excited when I'm doing that because I'm so excited to see them. And then when you have kids, it's sort of in the same way, like focusing around gratitude, like what have we enjoyed together? What, but what are we excited for? What are we anxious about? Um, And just kind of naming those things. And I think when people do, and like, I don't want to give the impression that my family like sits down to dinner every night and we go in a circle, we say the thing, like we, I don't even know if we're in the same house sometimes during dinner. So it's not like it's this really fancy, uh, hard to do thing. It's just when you're talking to your kids, um, we just like to talk about it. And I talk about what I'm excited for what I'm nervous about. Um, and there was just something really liberating that shifted. And I can't tell if it's because of like the friendships I developed um, or what happened that I feel so fine about saying exactly how I feel and not feeling any shame around those feelings. And I think that the more we talk about that, for students and for our own kids, um, and then for my spouse, because I am not my kindest, most, and I'm not even really that patient in general, but definitely less patient in September. I am so tired and I'm excited and the energy it takes just to be in a building is so high. And then, you know, last year I had a kid just starting high school for the first time. So that anxiety and those feelings come out all sideways. And so learning to be like, wow, I'm really anxious about this, or I'm really nervous. And kids are shocked that teachers and principals are nervous for the first day of school, but we also are. Um, And so I think that really, if you're like, just be authentic. And and if you can tap into why you're feeling what you're feeling, that's great because it really is the, it's pretty hard to nail down and our behaviors are real sporadic and random and you have to kind of pull the thread to see why you're actually responding that way but I think when we model it to our kids our spouse like my husband's way more understanding probably when I'm snappy and maybe to say three words before I head straight to bed when I can say this is how I feel in September it's really hard Um, and so that's what I would say um, has really changed things for me is just really tapping into authentic emotion and just naming it and not being embarrassed by it. 
Love that. Gratitude is so big. Uh, for the last two years, my best friend and I send each other three gratefuls every night. We text each other. Um, grateful for this. And we've, we paused for a year and then we're like, no, we got to keep doing this. And if we miss a couple days, then we'll send Friday gratefuls, Saturday gratefuls, Sunday gratefuls. And it really helps to have someone um, to do that with. It's really taken a shift. I think for both of us, we feel better, right? Like, and you're connecting that connection is there. Yeah. And then, you know, that whole piece of name it to tame it is what we say, name your feeling. Mm, that's good. Right. Um, that's, I believe that's Dan Siegel, name it to tame it. Well, and I think it's because I'm such a control freak that it's like the idea of this emotion taking off without me doesn't feel good. So I'm like, let's name this thing so that I can have some sort of, yeah, plan over it. And I think what you said about your friend is so important because it's, I don't do new year's resolutions because I just don't follow through. Like, it's like, why disappoint myself? with my inability. And so finding the thing that works for you. So if it's not writing a journal every day, because that is not for me, but it's texting a friend, or sometimes I just go on Facebook and I say, I'm going to write five positive thing comments on somebody's like just something to get you through. Yeah. That you can do. That's not like, you don't have to feel bad that you fail at it. It doesn't have to be a big journal. Like love that. I love that you text that. I think that's a good idea. It's really nice. And I think over time, her and I have both valued, like, you know, you're going to connect with someone every day and yeah. you know, you're going to have that every day in a way, someone who loves you, right. Not just yeah. someone you work with, not just someone that you, that you have to show up for, not your kid, uh, yeah. who, you know, sporadically loves you and sporadically. Right. Loves Sometimes you. not. So. And I think, but I also think when you share it, you inspire others to think things differently. So we start every staff meeting with five gift cards that I purchase and I lay out on the table and then people come in and they take them and then give them to somebody else in front of the group and say, I'm giving this coffee card to so-and-so because she's been showing up for our students like when she didn't need to. And, and then it just sort of one, it starts your meeting in gratitude. Yeah. And then it also is something like you're always looking for it, which is fantastic. And then sometimes you don't even think to be grateful for something because it's been such a part of your life. And somebody reminds you that like, yeah, things are pretty great. I should be thankful for that. So I love that. I, Jen, I am so grateful for you and the journey that we've had together. And I love the, how you just show up and you are often this light that shares the hard, right? You've been through a lot of hard, your community's been through a lot of hard, your state's yeah. been through a lot of hard and education. And you're also like, you know what? It's hard. And these humans in my building need me. And this is how I show up for people. And yeah. I just appreciate that so much about you. I think that for educators too, like there's, it, when you look at the big picture, it seems like sometimes an insurmountable yeah. task to take on every concern that anybody has about public ed. And then I walk back in this building and I'm like, no, this is the world that I need to take care of and be a part of. And it's, so incredible. And we're just like being a public educator is such a gift. Like we're, I'm just lucky to be a part of it and leave a mark and get to and be honored to help be a part of like, we, we do not take for granted that people drop their babies off to us every day for seven hours and that we have the opportunity to be with them. So it's really a joyful profession. And if people are still worried about it, these young kids were saying like, but are they giving you a hard time? No, there's way more good than there are the challenges. So 
public ed is definitely the place to be. I just, that, the way you just said that is exactly why I called you. And I said, Jen, <laughs> we have to have a conversation that people can listen because we hear all the negative and you have yeah. so much goodness. And one of the things I think, you know, is important is that when it does feel insurmountable in this big, huge national way or federally or statewise, remember what you have that's tangible, that's right in front of you. And just mm -hmm. showing up and being that positive person in public ed is exactly what public ed needs, so. And you don't do it alone, right? You don't oh. do it alone. You have a community of people because it's okay to feel like, sometimes I just go home and take a nap under a weighted blanket because that's not the time to take on my thing. But then when I wake up, I can take the weighted blanket off and then go forth again, but you, you cannot do it alone. And I think you have different people in your life for different purposes. And I definitely am surrounded by people in this school district who um, we we help each other. Like, it's okay to say like, today is so hard and I don't wanna do this today. And those things, you can't just pretend like it's not a big deal because sometimes it is a big deal. Um, but you always have somebody with you. So go, go in groups, go in tribes when you take on the hard things. Love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate thank you. you. So much. I'm I so excited you. about the gifts you're offering our community. So till we meet again, my friends. Thank you. See you soon. Bye.